Thank you for listening to The Real Deal with Damian Adams. This is Real Sports Talk for the Real Sports Fan. And I definitely appreciate our Real Sports Fans who are listening right now. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify, please do me a huge favor and leave this podcast a five-star rating. That one, two, three, four, five. That five-star rating review will definitely be appreciated. If you're listening on any other platform, that could be iHeartRadio. Automatic, Google Podcasts, wherever. Please share from that platform so that your friends and family can not only listen to the podcast, subscribe to the podcast, they can like the podcast, love the podcast, and then share it with their friends and family. I'm trying to get this podcast to the highest levels of podcastivity, and I need your help to get there. It'll be truly, truly appreciated. This is the first episode of the new year, so thank you for tuning in with me for 2024. Happy New Year to all of the supporters out there. I truly, truly appreciate you. And the first episode of the new year is a very loaded episode. You know I like to talk about the NBA, NFL, and boxing. So we're going to start this episode with some NFL talk, do some boxing in the middle, then close it out with my NBA All-Stars for this year, all right? So let's get into my NFL talk as I get my notes here. I'm going to do my winners and losers for week 17. Definitely stole this from Mina Kimes, winners and losers. We're going to get into it. So for my first winner, got to go with the Chicago Bears. The Chicago Bears defeated the Atlanta Falcons 37-17, which is cool. But that's not the reason that they're one of my winners this week. They're also winners this week because they secured the number one overall pick in this year's draft because they had the Panthers first round pick and the Panthers have secured the worst record in the NFL. Now this puts the Bears in a pickle, if you will. They are in a situation where they have to make some tough decisions. They have a quarterback in Justin Fields who has shown flashes of brilliance, right? Uh, last year, he ran up a muck. Right, his running game was everything. Passing game wasn't quite there, right? But people expected a lot of big things coming into this season. Now, this season he's dealt with some injuries, but when he has played, has had moments where you're like, okay, this guy can be a franchise quarterback. Especially if surrounded with the right offensive line, good weapons, uh, capable coaching staff. You're thinking, okay, this guy could be a franchise guy that makes your franchise better. He could be someone that Cam Newton would describe as a game changer. But he hasn't been consistent in showing that yet. And there may be players in the draft, some people believe Caleb Williams or maybe Drake May, may be the game-changing type guys that come in and make your franchise better. It could be the Joe Burrow-esque type guys that come in right away, make an impact, next thing you know, your franchise is looked at completely different than they were before because you have this young quarterback who's making an impact right away. See C.J. Stroud this year. The Texans are in a completely different space than they were last year because they have C.J. Stroud and they will be in a different space going forward because now they have a quarterback they know they can build around. And they may make the playoffs this year. So with the Bears, what do you do? Do you trade that pick? Keep Justin Fields and use that pick to gather more assets? Do you just go ahead and pick somebody with that pick? You could be very bold and take a wide receiver there. People are saying that Marvin Harrison Jr. is 
a sure thing as far as a wide receiver that's going to make an impact right away and be somebody that's going to be great on your team for 10 plus years if he stays healthy of course but that's the number one overall pick number one overall picks are normally for quarterbacks maybe a left tackle that seems like he's going to be that next you know 10 or 15 year guy that holds it down for you so what do you do if I were the Bears I would trade the pick back there's going to be teams that are more desperate than you to get a quarterback right you look at the New England Patriots those doesn't look like they have their quarterback right now they may be desperate enough to trade their pick which may be number two or number three it looks like trade that pick and additional picks along with maybe a player but if they're desperate enough maybe you can get four or five picks and a player from them if Arizona is done with Kyler Murray which I doubt but if they're done with Kyler Murray maybe they're willing to trade Kyler Murray to somewhere else to get assets and then trade with you by using those assets to give them one overall pick and pick their quarterback but I definitely think the Bears should trade that pick because you have no idea how good a Caleb Williams or a Drake May may be you do know with Justin Fields that there is flashes there that could be more consistent with time now it's a risk either way that's what makes this really tough it's a risk either way the GM if they trade him one overall pick and Justin Fields never turns into a Pro Bowl caliber quarterback and then the guy who is pick number one is that franchise guy that they project him to be then you're gonna be in some deep trouble most likely get fired but if you trade Justin Fields and he goes to a different team that needs a quarterback maybe Atlanta somebody like that and turns out to be the guy they expected him to be when he first got drafted turns into a pro bowler turns into an all-pro type guy is somebody who is a game changer for that team and the quarterback you draft let's say he's okay let's just say he's a starting caliber quarterback if you have an okay quarterback that you picked first overall and you had a first round pick in Justin Fields on your team already that you let go who turns into a pro bowler and all pro type guy after you couldn't do that with him everybody's jobs on a lot so this is a very tough decision it's a good problem and a bad problem at the same time so I'm definitely not jealous of the Bears you know front office for the decision I have to make it is a very tough one but the thing is if you if you trade that number one overall pick you do have to pay Justin Fields and someone like Daniel Jones got 40 million a year so Justin Fields who his projection is better than Daniel Jones is going to be looking for more than that even though he hasn't really proven that yet that's just the way the market goes right because he's not going to accept you know a contract where he's getting 20 million a year because why when he obviously if you trade that number one overall pick you're making the statement that he's somebody who can be that guy for you somebody who is the franchise and if he's the franchise on his second contract at quarterback, that means he's making 40 plus million a year. So this decision is one that's super tough, super tough. So they're winners because they're in the driver's seat as far as what they can do. They know exactly who they want and they're going to get who they want. They just have to make sure who they want is the right guy. For the second winner, 
I'm going to go with the Green Bay Packers. The Green Bay Packers defeated the Minnesota Vikings 33-10 on Sunday. Jordan Love looks like a guy. Looks like the Green Bay Packers have gone from Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to now maybe having another guy in Jordan Love. In this game, he went 24-33, 256 yards, three touchdowns. Uh, Aaron Jones had 20 carries for 120 yards. Uh, you had Melton at wide receiver with six receptions for 105 yards and a touchdown. They're now in the driver's seat when it comes to that last wild card spot. If they beat the Bears on Sunday, they secure their spot. So the fact that this team, who had some rough patches throughout the year, has found themselves in position that they control their own destiny going into the last week to go into the playoffs, you have to be able to give them the props for that. And Jordan Love, Matt LaFleur, the coach, they all deserve credit for that. Because everyone expected them to take a step back, of course, without Aaron Rodgers there. And they've taken a step back for sure. But the fact that they took that step back and still was able to get in this position, you got to give all the props in the world to their coaching staff, Jordan Love, and everybody in that organization. For my third winner, the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, the Baltimore Ravens. <laughs> just absolutely dismantled, obliterated, mollywopped, just whooped the Miami Dolphins 56 to 19. Like, that is wild. Especially for a team in Miami who has a chance to win a division on Sunday. Like, this is a good team that they put the whooping on like this. Lamar Jackson seems like he secured his second MVP award. We have to wait and see. In this game, he went 18 of 21 for 321 yards and five touchdowns passing. I know a lot of people are going to take shots at the lady from Fox Sports. And I don't remember her name. There's no shot. I really don't remember. Uh, but she, uh, on the radio show, must be a local show for Fox Sports. And her take went viral that she was saying that Lamar Jackson isn't her MVP. And that's not the worst take in the world by itself. Right? If you say Lamar Jackson hasn't been consistent enough to be MVP this year, you can make the argument for that because he has had some ups and downs this year throughout the season. Right? And his stats don't stack up to the other quarterbacks who would be up for the award. But with Lamar Jackson, you got to look past the stats. Right? Because when you watch them play, the impact he has on the defense is major. I've said for a long time that. Lamar Jackson is not just the driver of the car. He's the engine, the alternator. He's the seats. Like, he's the entire car. Everyone else gets in the car to go. But he's the entire car. The offense doesn't work at all without him because he's so dynamic. And you see the offense now balling like this. Their defense is balling as well. You'll see an MVP. Now, if you have Christian McCaffrey, the MVP. No problem with that. He's been balling all this year, and San Francisco's offense has been fantastic all year. And Christian McCaffrey's been very consistent. Tyreek Hill's another one's been very consistent throughout the season. But this year has no quarterbacks that have really kind of taken out a war and run with it. So when you look at the fact that Lamar Jackson is leading the best team in the NFL with the stats he has and the impact he has on the field, he will be my MVP. But it's not outlandish to say somebody else. Just the wording that was used by the lady at Fox Sports who said he wasn't quarterbacky enough, it sounded coded. I'm not going to call her a racist because I don't know her. I don't know her intent. 
Maybe it was just a bad take. You know, you get into that realm where you're going. I've done it on the show before. I've listened back to an episode like, what the fuck was I talking about? Why did I say that? So you get into the realm where you're talking and you're going and you're trying to make a good point. And it sounds good in your head. You're like, quarterback, that sounds like it's going to hit. Sometimes it hits the wrong way. Right? So I'm not going to say she's racist, but it just sounded real coded. Because he also said he's a great athlete or just a great athlete. And that's not true. Obviously, he can play from the pocket. He's somebody who happens to be a great athlete. And that's on top of the base of being a very good quarterback. So Lamar Jackson, man, killing it. And that was... I'm going to do one more winner. So I'm going to do four winners and two losers in this one. Fourth winner, I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints. Now, the New Orleans Saints surprised me. I am a Saints fan if you're your first time listening. Who that said they're going to beat them Saints? I did not expect the Saints to beat the Bucks. I had no reason to have faith in them. Derek Carr's been letting me down all season. The defense is good. They didn't look good against the Rams. But they did have that little mini bye week because they were coming off a Thursday night game against the Rams. I think they helped them out. Got a little healthy. And this game against the Bucks, the defense really came through. And they defeated the Bucks 23-13. Derek Carr went 24-32 of for 197 yards and two touchdowns. Jawan Johnson is a tight end who is a converted wide receiver, who I believe can be a very good tight end. Just been waiting for him to be consistent and really take off. This is the type of game you want from him. Eight receptions for 90 yards and a touchdown. So I love what I saw from the Saints in this one. Now the Saints have waited a little too long to finally show what we thought they would do coming into the season. So now going into the last week, they need help to get into the playoffs. One way they can get in is if they win against Atlanta, and then the Buccaneers lose to Carolina, which is very unlikely. Unless, you know, Carolina, you never know. If you're listening to me, hey, we challenging you. Show up in the last week of the season. Knock the Bucks out of the playoffs. We would appreciate it, but I doubt it. So with that one being very doubtful, the other way they can get in is if they win and both Seattle and Green Bay lose. Seattle's playing against Arizona, who's been playing a little better lately, just come off a big win against Philadelphia. And then you have Green Bay against Chicago, big rivalry game. Chicago's been playing better lately. You never know what's going to happen in that one. So they have a shot. And this game definitely put them there. So now let's talk about my losers. So I just mentioned the Arizona Cardinals. They defeated the Philadelphia Eagles 35-31. And the Eagles are my big loser this week. They is weird because the score was close. But I had to watch this game. So I work for a company called Burn City Sports. Part of my job is watching the Cardinals. And watching that game, it was surreal seeing the Cardinals dominate. They dominated in each and every category. They had more total yards, more passing yards, way more rushing yards. They doubled them in rushing yards. Controlled the time. Time of possession, Arizona won 39, 30 minutes, 39 minutes, excuse me, and 39 seconds to 20 minutes and 21 seconds. Like, what is it that what is it that Philadelphia needs to wake up? Maybe they just don't have it this year. Because I just found myself being dumbfounded by what was happening. And you just need to make plays. And they didn't make plays. They just got run up and down the field. The one play they did make, which was the 99-yard pick six, wasn't really them making a play. It was a miscommunication between Kyler Murray and the rookie receiver Michael Wilson. 
So they got gifted that basically. There was no time in the game where you felt like, okay, they're going to stop Arizona. And Arizona's offense has been struggling all year. They're a wide receiver core, maybe the worst in the league. And you let them run up and down the field on you. Kyler Murray's looked the best he looked all year. Philadelphia's in trouble, man. I know right now there's sets where they're going to play the winner of the NFC South. And none of those teams look great. But I would not pick the Eagles to beat the Bucks or Saints right now in the playoff game. I wouldn't. Now, if the Falcons get lucky and sneak in there, I can see them beating the Falcons. But outside of that, I don't see them beating the Saints or Bucks in the playoffs. First round exit to a disappointing MC South team calling it now. My second loser, the Denver, how about to say Nuggets? Thinking about basketball for later. <laughs> the Denver Broncos. So, the Denver Broncos, I know they won their game, but I'm talking about their situation with Russell Wilson. Everybody's heard about it by now. Russell Wilson has been benched. And this year, he's been decent. He hasn't been the best, but he's been decent. Now, his stats probably look better than he's been playing, but you don't put up these stats without playing somewhat decently. Uh, this year, 3,070 yards passing, 26 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Been sacked 45 times, and that's a big thing throughout his career. He's been sacked a lot. And the thing that really stands out to you is his success rate. So when I say success rate, that means on first down, you get at least 40% of your yards. So first and 10, you get at least four yards. It's considered a successful play. On second down, at least 60% of it. So let's say it's second and five, you get three yards. That's considered a successful second down. On third down or fourth down, you want to be able to get 100% of those yards to convert and get another first down. That will be considered successful. Only 43.3% of his passes have been considered successful which means that he's not getting the ball downfield. So that's a big thing. Will another player like Stenham get the ball downfield more? Or is it just their offense that doesn't allow him to get the ball downfield? Because Russell Wilson is a guy who wants to throw deep, right? He has an amazing deep ball. But he does struggle with seeing the middle of the field. And that's one thing with being sure that you could struggle with. But Sean Payton saw Drew Brees, who's not that tall, be able to complete the ball down the middle of the field, be able to do these things in his prime. And he, honestly, you could tell that he probably didn't vibe with Russell Wilson from the get-go. And I think that if he let his personal feelings for Russell Wilson get in the way of this decision or to influence this decision, then they're going about it all wrong. Um, but do I believe Russell Wilson's done? That's tough. I don't know if he's done. There'll be a team that needs a quarterback and he still can be a starter in this league. But he's far from the guy who was making that magic happen in Seattle. I think he was done dirty here, but I can see from Denver's standpoint why they're like, yo, we gotta get up, we gotta go ahead and move on. We gotta get to the next guy who we believe is gonna be ready. Or we believe is gonna be someone who can do it. Right? So I would say that Russell Wilson handled this well. And a lot of people saying that this is the first time we see him be really authentic, be himself. And he just needs to continue doing that. Be authentic, be himself, continue to really just show us that side of him. And hopefully he lands on his feet somewhere. But that was my winners and losers from the NFL. We're going to go ahead and take our first music break. When we come back, we will talk about my top 10 pound for pound boxers going into... 2024. We'll be right back.
this is what you're gonna do when you get out of here again, then. Oh, those I was just trying to live it one day at a time, you know. <coughs> hey, you talking, man? Live it one day at a time. It ain't nothing but a thing, though, bro. Yeah, I hear you, fool. Well, let me get up out of here. I'm gonna ride out of the way from you. Alright, cat. Take it easy, baby. Stay up, bro. Peace. He greets his father with his hands. Rehabilitated child. Glad to be the man's child. The world is different since he's seen it last. Out of jail, baby, seven years. He's happy, baby, he's making plans. All he had was his mother's death. Now he's moping, and he's gotta make a change and make it full the day. But he's free, so he's got one strike against him. And he's young, cause he came up in the system. But he's smart, and he's finally making 18. And his goal is to get on top and try to stay clean. So he's calling up his homie who came up. Now they dealing with the same stuff And had that attitude that who he was would work play And with that fucked up attitude he killed his first man Now it's different he who did dirt And realized killing it me coming up but it's still hurt And can't nobody change this It's 1994 and we up against the same shit I never understood why I could never see a man cry Till I seen a man die Imagine life that is full big Then imagine lying dead in the arms of your enemy Imagine peace on this earth when there's no grief Imagine grief on this earth when there's no peace Everybody's got a different way of ending And when your number comes for souls, then they send it in Now your time has arrived for your final test I see the fear in your eyes and in your final breath How much longer will it be till it's all to Total darkness that he's be it all one I watch him dying when he dies, better celebrate You took his life, but your memory can never change You'll be headed to another place And the life you used to live will reflect in your mother's face I still gotta wonder why I never seen a man cry until I seen a man die But your heart no longer sounds strong But you kinda scared of dying so you hold on And you keep on blacking out and your pulse is low Stop trying to fight the reaper, just relax and let it go Because there's no way you can fight it though you'll still try And you can try it till you fight it but you'll still die Your spirits leave your body and your mind clears The rigor more starts to set, now you out of here You start your journey into outer space You see yourself in the light but you're still feeling out of place so you standing in the tunnel of eternal life And you see the ones you never learned to love and life Make the choice, let it go, but you can back it up If you ain't at peace with God, you need to patch it up But if you're ready, close your eyes and we can set it free Your lies are not scared of that, may he rest in peace I still got to wonder why I never seen a man cry till I seen that man die
Hier. Uh. I was about to freestyle, but y'all not ready for that. <laughs> Welcome back to The Real Deal with Damian Adams. So now let's get into a little boxing. It's the beginning of the year. So let me go ahead and set my top 10 pound for pound list for the beginning of the year. And then I'll go ahead and keep track of it to see how it changes throughout the year. Hopefully it does change because that means there's a lot of good boxing going on if the pound for pound list changes. Like in 2023, my list changed quite a few times. So that means that we had a lot of good boxing. Let's continue that in 2024. Hopefully the boxers out there and the managers out there hear me. So I'm going to count up. I'm going to go from 1 to 10 because you know who the top guys are. I believe it's more suspenseful about who's going to be at the back end of my pound for pound list. So let's get it. Number one, Terrence Bud Crawford. Terrence Crawford is 40-0 and with 31 knockouts. Only had one fight in 2023, but he mollywhopped a former top five pound for pound guy in Errol Spence Jr. And became the undisputed champion at welterweight. He has now become undisputed in two different weight classes. He was undisputed a few years back at 140. And for him to dominate Errol Spence in that way puts him at number one for me. That's just crazy what he did. <laughs> crazy. I'm still shocked that I was that wrong about that fight. So at number one, I got Terrence Crawford. At number two, I got to go with Naui Inoue. He's either 2 or 1B because he's right there with Terrence. He is 26-0 with 23 knockouts. In 2023, he defeated Stephen Fulton and Marlon Tapalis to become undisputed at 122 pounds. This dude has everything. The technique, the power, the boxing IQ. Like, he does everything well in that ring. And he's still in his prime. There's no telling what he could do going forward. I don't know if he's going to go up to 126, but I wonder how high he can go in weight because he started off so small, but I would love to see a mega fight between him and Javante Davis one day, but you know, we don't know if we're going to see those type of fights from Javante Davis, but now anyway, it's the truth, the monster at number two. Number three, Devin the Dream Haney. He is 31-0 with 15 knockouts. In 2023, he defeated Vasil Lamachenko to retain his undisputed title at 135, then moved up from 135 to 140, and then destroyed and dominated in just super impressive fashion Regis Progre at 140 pounds to take his title. Regis Progre is a two-time champion at 140. He's no joke at that weight class, and he dominated him. It wasn't close. Regis had no chance. Devin Haney is so young, so much just left to do in the sport. His future is super bright. I can't wait to see what he does in 2024. I know he's in negotiations with Ryan Garcia right now. That's not a fight that's going to put him in the top two pound for pound, but it is a fight that can make him more commercially successful, make him more popular. Ryan Garcia has you know a great following, not just on social media, but also outside of social media. So I believe he beats Ryan Garcia pretty easily. Ryan Garcia is talented, but I just don't believe he's on that level with Devin Haney. So I think it's a fight where Devin Haney gets to get an easy win while also uplifting his profile. So I think it's a good move for him. But after that, definitely want to see him against Teofimo Lopez, 
or someone else at 140 that holds a title like Mateus, like someone like that, where he's truly making his stamp at 140 or going up to 147. But I understand Ryan Garcia fight. It's not one where it adds to his legacy, but it's one that could add to his pockets and ultimately add to his legacy further on because of the popularity he can gain from it. And number four, someone who doesn't need any boost in his popularity, Canelo Alvarez. He is 62-2, and 39 wins by knockout. In 2023, he defeated John Ryder in a fight that was tougher than people expected. The then-dominated Jermel Charlo to retain his 168-pound undisputed crown. Canelo, a lot of people had an issue with me having him outside of the top three. Canelo's resume is the best of any current boxer, right? But I feel like he's been taking his foot off the gas lately. It's when it comes to legacy fights. Jamel Charlo is a good name to have on the resume. And Jamel Charlo is taller than Canelo. So it wasn't hard for him to probably pull in the weight. But he did come up two weight classes to fight him. John Ryder is not a name right now that goes on to say, Oh my God, John Ryder somebody you beat. And we've been waiting for him to fight David Benavidez. That's the fight. But right now it's rumored that he's going to fight Jaime Mejia in May. Jaime Mejia has a fight against John Ryder on January 27th here in Phoenix. So I believe that's a setup for Jaime Mejia to look good against John Ryder, a tough guy who went the distance against Canelo. And then you can say, oh, see, he beat John Ryder who went the distance with Canelo. Let's set it up to where we have Mejia versus Canelo. You have two Mexican stars on single de Mayo weekend. Makes money. I get it. Jaime Mejia, I don't believe, has earned a Canelo shot. He's avoided so many tough fights through his career. Or even if it's not him, but his team has avoided tough fights. So I believe that Jaime Mejia is not a fight that adds to your legacy, but it adds to your pockets. But at this point, Canelo, not to count a man's pockets, but he should be good financially. So I don't understand any money chasing type fights. Right, and again, I'm not in his position. I'm not in his pockets. I don't know, but from the outside looking in, he should be more than good financially. And for him to still be chasing money at this point instead of chasing legacy fights seems a little weird. But hopefully, we get him against David Benavidez sometime in 2023. At number five, we got Alexander Usyk. He fell a few spots for me. 2023 only had one fight which wasn't the best showing against Daniel Dubois. Daniel Dubois hit him with a nasty body shot that he, you know, played to the referee like it was a low blow when it wasn't. Got a long break, but ultimately he did knock out Dubois and is still, you know, the title holder here of three of the four belts at heavyweight. So we're supposed to get him against Tyson Fury very, very soon. If he beats Tyson Fury, of course he will move up a spot or two on this list. At number six, I have Dimitri Baval. He's somebody else who fell a couple spots for me. He only had one fight in 2023 against Lyndon Arthur. Not the best competition. He dominated the fight. I wanted to see him finish it. I thought he would get his first knockout in quite a while in this one. And he did have him hurt at times. He did knock him down in the 11th round. And there were times where the referee looked like he was about to stop it. But as soon as the referee looked like he was about to stop it, Lyndon Arthur would show some type of life. But... He has everything. Outside of the killer instinct to finish you off, Dimitri Baval has all the skills. The footwork, 
the feints, the ability to parry punches away and counter off of those parries. Like, he does everything well. Everything. So, to see what he does and the way that he does it just shows you what he's capable of. And hopefully we get him against the winner of Caitlin Smith and Arthur Betabiev to see who can be undisputed at light heavyweight. And number seven, I got Shakur Stevenson. Now, some people may think that's high. He's 21 and over 10 knockouts. In 2023, he beat Shishiro Yoshino by knockout. That was a very impressive win where he showed his power at 135. But then he followed it up with a very unimpressive win against Edwin De Los Santos. Now, he didn't throw his left hand that much in that fight. It makes you wonder if his hand was hurt. Oh, his right hand, excuse me. He didn't throw his right hand that much. I'm trying to remember we saw poor orthodox. But he didn't throw his power hand that much. A lot of jabs, a lot of hooks off of that lead hand. And maybe he was hurt. And if he was hurt and beat Edwin De Los Santos with one hand, very impressive. He was very defensively sound. At the time, held the record for lowest amount of punches landed by CompuBox numbers until Devin Haney defeated Reader's program. So even though it wasn't the most impressive, definitely was not the most entertaining fight. You have to give him credit for dominating. And he has all the skills. I've said it before, he's special. And I believe he's going to go down as one of the greatest of all time if he continues to just be one of the best and continues to be disciplined in what he does. And number eight, I'm going with Teofimo Lopez. Teofimo Lopez had a great year, right? When you look at what he was able to do this year, defeating Josh Taylor, who was the undisputed champ at 140, and beat him in a way where he was like, oh, wow. He's a step or two above Josh Taylor. And now Teofimo Lopez in 2024, hopefully he gets a fight like Mateus or gets Devin Haney and gets his chance. I don't know who would win between him and Devin Haney. I truly have no idea. That's a true, true 50-50 fight. So I would go with that number there. Or number eight, excuse me, Forte from Lopez. Number nine, I'm going with Jesse Bam Rodriguez. He is 19-0 with 12 knockouts. In 2023, became unified at 112 pounds flyweight by beating Christian Gonzalez Hernandez and then very impressively dominating Sonny Edwards who was undefeated going into that fight. He's another guy who has everything. Power in both hands, great footwork, boxing IQ. The adjustments he made against Sonny Edwards were great. Amazing to see what he did in that fight. I love what he's doing. His future is super super bright as well. Wonder how high he can go up and wait to make a more of a name for himself because it is hard to make a name for yourself at those lower weight classes but if he continues to climb what he wants to do he wants to go against uh, he wants to go to 115 to fight uh, Juan Francisco Estrada next love to see that fight I think he wins that fight and then where does he go from there can he go to 118 just have to wait and see but his future is very bright at number 10 I went with David Benavidez. Dave Benavidez is 28-0 with 24 knockouts. In 2023, he defeated Caleb Plant and Demetrius Andrade. Two very impressive wins over guys who, you know, are former champions. And now he just needs opportunity. He's earned a shot against Canelo. 
Canelo should give him to give that to him. Uh, I know another fight that's out there for him is David Morrell. That's a very risky fight. Morrell's very good. Morrell, the reward for beating Morrell is nowhere near the risk. It's very high risk, very low reward for that fight. If he loses to Morrell, he's never going to get Canelo. So you wonder who else is out there for him to fight. Jamal Charlo is out there. Uh, Jamal Charlo just beat his brother. So the storyline's already there. He can fight Jamal Charlo if he beats Jamal Charlo. Another risky fight. Any fight he takes right now is risky. But if he fights Jamal Charlo and beats him, then it makes it even harder for Canelo to duck him. So I think he should fight Jamal Charlo. And then if he doesn't get Canelo, then then could take on David Morrell. But if not, he can move to 175 and try to get a title there. Because he's definitely big enough to take on the Dimitri Bavals and Arthur Benavides of the world. You just wonder if the skills there for that. So here goes my top 10 pound for pound list one more time. Terrence Crawford, Maui Inoue, Devin Haney, Canelo Alvarez, Olexander Usyk, Dimitri Bavall, Shakur Stevenson, Teofimo Lopez, Jesse Bam Rodriguez, and David Benavidez. The people who just missed for me. Arthur Benavidez. Right there at 11 for me. He just isn't active enough. Very impressive, always dominant. Um, his last fight against Anthony Yard, though, was just a battle of attrition. But he's a monster. But he is getting older, so you wonder if this year is the year he falls off. Tyson Fury. You fight against a guy who's in his first professional boxing match in Francis Ngannou. And arguably lost that fight. That knocks you out of my top 10. Errol Spence Jr. Top 10 guy, talent-wise for sure. But getting molly like that in that big fight on that stage knocks you out of the top 10. If he was competitive, if he would have lost a competitive fight, he would still be top 10. Javante Davis. Or Abdul Walid. I believe he changed his name to. Hey, the, the man wants to be called Abdul Walid. The man can be called Abdul Walid. Alright? <laughs> but Javante Davis doesn't have the resume of a top 10 pound for pound guy. Is he a top 10 talent pound for pound? Yes. No doubt about it. The boxing IQ. The knockout power. The way he sets up the knockouts. He has a total package. But he has been protected. Why hasn't he fought? Devin Haney. Vasil Amachenko. Shakur Stevenson. Teofimo Lopez. Shit. William Zapata. Why hasn't he fought any of these guys who are the top at 135? I need to see him against the top of the top before I put him in the pound for pound list. And for people who are out here saying that I'm wrong for not having him in there, I just gotta say, naysayer please. <laughs> and if you have not, you know, heard about that, please check out the viral video from College Game Day of Reese Davis talking about the quarterback from Alabama and his personal brand called Lank, which he thought stood for let a naysayer know. Which it may, it may mean that. But we thought differently. Right? We thought naysayer stood for something else in that end spot, which was funny to have Pat McAfee of all people pointed out, which was hilarious. So if you didn't catch that joke, go ahead and check that out. That's why the name of this episode is called Naysayer Please. So that's my top 10 pound for pound list. We're going to take a quick music break when I come back. NBA All-Stars. Time to go ahead and put in those votes. So I'll let you know who my All-Stars are on the back end of this break.
basically. I came to bring the pain, hardcore from the brain. Let's go inside my astral brain. Find out my mental, based on instrumental. Wrecking hate so I can write monumental methods. I'm not the king, but niggas is decaf. I stick them over the cream. Check it, just how deep can shit get. Deeper to your bliss, and brothers is mad fish. Accept it, in your cross color, coach your crossed over. Nigga totally crossed out and crisscrossed. Who the boss, niggas get tossed to the side. And on the dark side of the force. Of course, it's the method. Man from the Wu-Tang Clan, I'll be hectic and coming for the hectic, protect it, fuck it, two tears in a bucket, niggas want the ruckus, busting at me, rough, now bust it, style like it's buck, wow, method man on some shit, pulling niggas, fouls, I'm sick, insane, crazy, driving Miss Daisy, out of fucking mind, now I got mine, I'm swayed. Is it real, son, is it really real, son, let me know it's real, son, if it's really real, something I can feel, son, holding up and kill one, one more, real, son, if it's really real, uh, when I was a little stereo, stereo, I listen to some champion, champion. I always wonder, wonder, when I was the number one. Yeah. <laughs> now you listen to the dog on, dog on, and the dog on celery. Any the dog on come just me, just me. Me, I got the gold and brains. But I'm always wanna hang with the man, bring the rope. The only way you hang is by the neck, nigga. Rope off the set. Coming to your projects, making as a threat. Better yet, it's a promise. Coming from a black, cause I'm moving, getting on shit. Nigga, keep your bitch about a dollar, hey, I'm on shit. And it's gonna get even worse for the guard. It's the fool coming through, nigga, nigga, so they gone. Moving on your last out form, it's the map. In the representing, call my name in your chest. You can come test with your logic, no contest. Son, I'm living that when that old wild west. Quick on the draw with my hands on the floor. Nine to your living with the fucking five to law. Check it, cause I think not when it's hip hop like proper. Well, I'm the proof while I'm drinking 90 proof. I'm locker, no OJ, no straw. When you give it to me, yeah, give it to me, bro. I burn. And when you drink, have to lose straight, it burns. I'm not thinking my chest has a burn. I don't need a chemical blow to pull a hose. All I need is chemical pack to pay the rope. Is it real, son? Is it really real, son? Let me know it's real, son. If it's really real, something I can feel, son. Load it up and kill one, one and four, kill, son. If it's really real. Welcome back to The Real Deal with Damien Adams. Hopefully you enjoyed that music break. Today just giving you real hip-hop. I'm saying just real hip-hop. I think that's something that we're missing today is just real hip-hop. We got our J. Coles. That's my favorite rapper in the world. We have our Drakes who can give you that real hip-hop from time to time. Kendrick. There's others out there, of course, who I'm not mentioning right now. I'm not trying to slight anybody. But overall, I feel old saying this, but overall it's just not the quality of hip-hop that we had and it's different I understand every generation does that once you get past a certain age you know I'm gonna be turning 34 this month so I'm getting to the age where you know everything from my day was better in my mind but I don't see how you can make the argument right there's a difference between 
somebody saying, you know, Sugar Hill Gang is better than rap from the 90s because the quality just isn't there. No disrespect to Sugar Hill Gang, they're the pioneers, or one of, but you know what I mean. Like, they just weren't on that same level as guys like Rakim, LL, and all those guys came around in the 80s and 90s. But now, the new people that come in now, no one's original. So I just wanted to provide some of that original hip hop feel on this episode. So now let's get into my NBA All-Star votes. So I went ahead and put in my vote on NBA.com. You know, I still vote as a fan. Hopefully, or not hopefully, one day, speaking into existence, I will have an official vote as a media member. And I will have official vote when it comes to NBA awards as well. But until then, you'll get my official votes here on the podcast. Let's get into it. So my starting lineup for the Western Conference. Let's start with the guards. First guard I got to go with is Luka Doncic. The Dallas Mavericks right now are in the seventh spot. Now I'm recording this on Tuesday afternoon, January 2nd, 4.46 Mountain Standard Time. So right before games get started. Uh, so it's going to change by the time you hear it. But they're the seventh seed right now at 19 and 15. Kyrie's missed some time this year, so it's all on Luka offensively, and he's been coming up and really answering the call. Averaging 33.4 points per game, 9.4 assists, 8.3 rebounds, being super efficient. Man, like, <laughs> watching a game where he dropped 50 and 15 on Suns was absolutely crazy. He's just unstoppable. He too big for the little quick guys who can stay in front of him. Too quick for the bigger guys who can handle his power. There's nothing you could do with him. And his shots been more consistent this year. Just absolutely great. The passing, the consistent rebounding. He deserves to be an all-star starter. My second guard, Shea Gilgis Alexander, SGA, for the Oklahoma City Thunder, who are right now the second seed in the Western Conference at 22-9. and And he's been absolutely balling. 31.2 points per game, 6.3 assists, 5.7 rebounds per game, shooting 54% from the field, also playing very good defense. <laughs> he does it all. He does it all. Only thing that you can ask is that he can shoot a three ball a bit better, but honestly, that's like a little nitpicky. There's not a real weakness in this game. Dude does everything and have OKC at the second spot right now in the Western Conference. We expect them to be better, but we didn't expect them to be the second seed in the Western Conference. That's major. You got to give all the props in the world to SGA and that team. So now let's get to the front court. LeBron James. I know we've all said it a million times, but you can't say it enough. What he's doing in year 21 is just stupid. It's stupid to be averaging 25.4 points per game, 7.4 assists, 7.4 rebounds per game, shooting 53% from the floor, 41% from three? What? What? And to still be athletic enough as the oldest guy in the league to where when he goes downhill, you still don't want to be in his way? Now, the Lakers haven't played up to expectations, but it's definitely not on LeBron. He's been balling, so he deserves to be a starter. The next front court spot is going to go to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's been an absolute monster, man. Kevin Durant, 
averaging 30 points a game, 6.3 rebounds, 6 assists, 1.1 blocks per game. He's always been efficient throughout his career, but this year the efficiency has went to a whole nother level at age 35, which is crazy. Shooting 52% from the floor, 47% from three, and 87% from the free throw line. The Suns have gone through their ups and downs this year so far, but they're not even 500 without the play of Kevin Durant, so he deserves to be a starter. And of course, the center, Nikola Jokic, balling out again, playing at an MVP level, 25.7 points per game, 12.3 rebounds per game, 9.1 assists per game, shooting 55% from the field, and the Denver Nuggets are the third seed right now in the Western Conference at 24 and 11. So those were my Western Conference starters. Let's get to the Eastern Conference starters. My first guard, Tyrese Halliburton. Yes, he deserves to be a starter this year. 26 points per game, 13.3 assists per game, while only averaging two turnovers a game. Like, his assist-to-turnover ratio is just dumb. I was about to say the R word, but you're not supposed to say that anymore. It's just dumb. It's dumb to be that efficient, both shooting and passing, is crazy. He's had games with 20 assists and no turnovers this year. Like, what? Who does that? Who does that? Like, Indiana's a team that defensively still needs to get better to be considered a real contender. But nobody wants to play them in the playoffs. They're going to be hell to deal with because of Tyrese Halliburton and how that offense runs. Speaking of his efficiency, shooting 50% from the floor, 40% from three, 85% from the free throw line. For my next guard, this one was tough. I had to go back and forth between Jalen Brunson and Tyrese Maxey. And I decided to go with Jalen Brunson, give you 25.6 points per game, 6.2 assists per game, 4 rebounds, while shooting 46% from the field and 43% from 3. The New York Knicks right now are 7 seed, right behind the Indiana Pacers. The Pacers are 18 and 14, the Knicks are 18 and 15, just absolutely killing it. And the Knicks are led by Jalen Brunson. Now, I know there was a lot of heat towards Becky Hammond, the coach for the Las Vegas Aces, who definitely knows her basketball when she said that Jalen Brunson wasn't a 1A guy. And that's because most guys his size aren't, right? Outside of Steph Curry and Isaiah Thomas, most guys haven't been able to lead their teams, Alan Iverson's also in that conversation, lead their teams to the finals at that size. But he is good enough to have you in a very good position. And that's what he has to mix at right now. He deserves to be an all-star starter. And some people might think that's crazy with some of the other guards out there. But those are my two all-star starters. For the front court, got to go with Jason Tatum. Boston's been the best team in a year in the league this year. And he's averaging 27 points a game, 8.4 rebounds, 4.4 assists, shooting 47% from the field. 34% from three and 80% from the free throw line while also playing very, very good defense. Jason Tatum deserves to be a starter this year. The other starting spot, Giannis Antetokounmpo. The Bucks, <laughs> the Bucks have a good record at 24 and nine right now. They're the two seed in the Eastern Conference. We expected Boston and Milwaukee to be one and two, right? But Milwaukee's defense has been shaky. So because of that, a lot of the talk's been negative around him. But Giannis is still having another Giannis year. 30.9 points per game, 11.3 rebounds, 5.7 assists, 
shooting 60% from the floor, 67% from the free throw line, right? Now that may not sound that impressive, but he's going to the free throw line 11.3 times a game. So you're still getting very good production, even with his percentage not being the best from the free throw line. Dude's absolute monster, man. Absolute monster. Deserves to be a starter. For the last starter. Gotta go with Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid is playing better this year than he did last year when he won MVP. He's leading the league in scoring at 35 points a game. 35 points a game. We haven't seen that since Kobe. 35 points a game. 11.7 rebounds per game. 6 assists per game. Shooting 54% from the field, 38% from the free throw line, 89% from the free throw line, and is going to the free throw line more than Giannis. What? What? Even Anthony Edwards was like, I don't see how they lose. With that dude playing the way he plays, I don't see how they lose. It's remarkable to see what he does at that size, the skill, the touch that he has. The only thing is, can he do it in the playoffs? Can he get this team past the second round? Most likely, they're going to have to play against a Milwaukee or a Boston in that second round. Can he get Philadelphia past them? Do they need to make another move? We'll have to wait and see. But the way he's playing right now, I can see them beating Milwaukee. Boston, I don't know. But he's playing good enough right now to where they could come out of the Eastern Conference. That's how good he's playing. So to recap, my, my Western and Eastern Conference starters. Western Conference got Luka Doncic, Shea Gilchrist-Alexander, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Nikola Jokic. For the Eastern Conference, I'm going with Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Brunson, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. Alright, so we're going to go ahead and take our last music break. When I come back, I'm going to reveal my bench for the All-Star Game. We'll be right
it come fast I got what you need, I hope you bought all the cash You know the kid pimping all over the world Honey cares, got me all over you, girl Five freaks in my Gucci double bag A corporate thug, I run with a player circle Got a field bob that'll disturb your peace Blowing Sean J, all we do is smoke Finish counting my bread, and I was kicking it Welcome back to The Real Deal with Damian Adams. Hopefully you enjoyed that music break. So now let's get into my bench players for the All-Star Game. Let's start with the Western Conference. So just to remind you, my starters, Luka Doncic, SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Nikola Jokic. Now for my bench players. Gotta start with Anthony Edwards. Minnesota's been balling out this year. They are currently the one seed in the Western Conference at 24-8. and eight. Anthony Edwards is a beast on defense, but also offensively is just so dynamic. Averaging 26.3 points per game, 5.3 assists, or 5.3 rebounds, and 5.1 assists, excuse me. Shooting 45% from the field, 38% from three, and 84% from the free throw line. He definitely deserves to be an all-star. Just couldn't fit him as a starter. For my next bench player, I'm going with the Aaron Fox for Sacramento Kings. Uh, Sacramento isn't catching people off guards the way they did last year, but it's still up there. The fifth seed right now in the Western Conference at 19 and 12, um, basically tied with New Orleans. And New Orleans will have the um, the tiebreak over them because they beat them three times already this year. But Aaron Fox has been balling 30 points a game, 6.1 assists, shooting 48% from the field and 40% from three. Got to put that guy on the All Star team. For our next bench guy, I'm going with Devin Booker. Uh, Devin Booker scoring 26.4 points per game, 7.9 assists, right? The whole question about do they need a true point guard? Devin Booker, when he's played, his team has looked a lot better because he is the one controlling the offense. 
Also giving you 5.3 rebounds per game, shooting 46% from the field and 37% from three. Anthony Davis. Dude's been balling this year, man. It makes no sense why the Lakers are 17 and 17 right now as I record this podcast in a 10th spot in the Western Conference. But it's not on him. He's averaging 25 points a game, 12.3 rebounds, shooting 55% from the floor, and 37% from three, while also playing dynamic defense. At the center spot, or another center spot, I'm going with Chet Holmgren. I'm going with the rookie. Now, some people might disagree with that. There's some players on the side that can definitely get in. But Chet Holmgren giving you 18 points a game, 7.8 rebounds, also a couple blocks per game, uh, shooting 40% from three-point and 54% from the field. What more can you ask for? Dude's been out here balling, man. Steph Curry. The Golden State Warriors have not been good this year. They're at 15 and 17 right now. But it's not on Steph. He's averaging 27.3 points per game, 4.5 assists, shooting 45% from the field and 40% from three. Still the greatest shooter ever, just doing what he does. And at the last spot, I really struggled with this one. It was between Brandon Ingram, Demonis Sabonis, uh, Alfin Sangoon, I'm saying that correctly, I always mess up his name, from the Houston Rockets, and Kawhi Leonard. I decided to go with Kawhi Leonard, especially with the way that the Clippers have been playing lately. They're currently 20-12 and 12 in the fourth spot in the Western Conference. He's averaging 24.4 points per game, six rebounds, uh, shooting 52% from the field and 42% from three, 87% from the free throw line, also giving you 1.6 steals per game. Kawhi, when he's healthy, man, he's special. He is special. And the Lakers, the Clippers, excuse me, play a lot of late games on the West Coast. So people may not see them a bunch, but they've been playing really, really good. And they may be a true title contender come playoff time. So there's always players who end up not being able to play, either injury or just don't want to play in the All-Star game. So here's my three guys who should be up for replacements. Brandon Ingram, he's been the leading scorer and the catalyst for New Orleans Pelicans, who are currently 19 and 14 in the sixth spot in the Western Conference. Demonis Sabonis, been dynamic again, always filling up the stat sheet for the Sacramento Kings, and Singoon for the Houston Rockets, who Houston right now is at 16 and 15 at the nine spot in the Western Conference. Hold on, my music just went away. Can't just be out here not vibing. Come on now. So for my Western Conference All Stars, Luka Doncic, SGA. LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Edwards, De'Aaron Fox, Devin Booker, Anthony Davis, Chet Holmgren, Steph Curry, and Kawhi Leonard. Now for the Eastern Conference. I'll remind you about my starters. Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Brunson, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Joel Embiid. Now for my bench guys. Got to go with Tyrese Maxey first. He's somebody who definitely could have been a starter. Him and Jalen Brunson right there, toe-to-toe. Tyrese Maxey, 26.1 points per game, 6.5 assists per game. Shooting 45% from the field, 38% from three, and 87% from the free throw line. Just absolutely balling out. Damian Lillard, 25.5 points per game, 6.8 assists per game. Shooting 43% from the field, which is low, but still 36% from three and is the second best player on the second best team in the Eastern Conference. So you gotta give that credence. <clears throat> Excuse me. Jalen Brown, 
23.3 points per game, 5.1 rebounds, 48% from the field, 38% from three. He hasn't been ultra impressive, but then when you look at the stats and the way that the team is playing, you're like, oh, okay, he's got to be an all-star. Like, you can't have him not be an all-star. So, Jalen Brown. For my fourth guy off the bench, Paolo Vancaro. 21.7 points per game. Orlando right now is in the fourth spot in Eastern Conference at 19 and 13. 21.7 points per game, 7 rebounds, 4.7 assists, shooting 46% from the field and 38% from three, which is a big step up from him last year. He's been absolutely balling. I remember when ESPN did their top 100 list going into the season, I was very critical of how high they had Pelo Vancaro, but he's living up to it. Shout out to him. Uh, uh, next spot, I got Jimmy Butler. Uh, Jimmy Butler giving you 21 points a game, 5 rebounds, 4.5 assists per game, shooting 46% from the field and 37% from 3. For the next spot, I'm going with Derek White. I do believe that the Boston Celtics deserve 3 All-Stars, and Derek White, with what he does on both ends of the floor, deserves that All-Star spot. 17 points a game, 5.3 assists, 1.2 steals, 1.3 blocks per game from the guard position. Shooting 49% from the field, 41% from three, and 89% from the free throw line. Like, he's right there at 50, 40, 90. This dude's been absolutely killing it. And Boston looks like the best team in the league. Partly a big part due to him. For the last spot, I went with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, Cleveland, I can't really read them this year. Uh, I don't know what's going on there, why they haven't been playing up to expectations. I thought they would be the third seed or maybe the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference this year. But the fact now that they are not even in top seven, number eight right now at 18 and 15, is really shocking to me. Uh, so we'll see if they can climb up, because it is really crowded right there between from five to eight is one game separating all those guys. But it's really disappointing to see that they're not like grabbing that third spot or fourth spot with Philadelphia playing so well. I'll say fourth spot by the horns and Donovan Mitchell it's not on him though he's averaging 28 points a game 5.7 rebounds 5.7 assists shooting 45% from the field 34% from three for the other spots if there are you know somebody who needs to be replaced Trey Young I know Atlanta's not been <laughs> not been they haven't been good at all this year right but Trey Young still putting up all-star caliber numbers his efficiency isn't the best but he still should be in an all-star conversation Miles Turner, somebody who should be right there as well, playing well for Indiana, and Julius Randle. I know that New York Knicks fans can be very critical of Julius Randle, but he's still putting up all-star caliber numbers for a team that's in the top seven right now in the Eastern Conference. So for my Eastern Conference All-Stars, Tyrese Halliburton, Jalen Brunson, Jason Tatum, Giannis Antetokounmpo, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, Damian Lillard, Jalen Brown, Paolo Bancaro, Jimmy Butler, Derek White, and Donovan Mitchell. So please let me know if you think I'm crazy for my all-star selections. I definitely appreciate the feedback. Please let a naysayer know about this podcast. I would truly, truly appreciate it. Word of mouth is still the best way of getting this out there. Because I can post all I want to. But people are going to say, of course, I'm going to say it's great. Because I'm biased. But if you say it's great... And you tell your friends is great, they're more likely to listen to it. So please do me that favor. I would truly, truly appreciate it. 
Make sure you follow me on all social media platforms at the Real Deal WDA. I'm gonna try to do a piece of content each and every day this year. It's gonna be tough, but each and every day I'm gonna drop something, some type of meme, video, something that keeps you engaged, that shows my range, that really shows what I can do. Cause I'm trying to take my career to the next level this year, and need your help to get there. I would truly, truly appreciate it. Make sure you check out Burn City Sports for all my people in Phoenix. If you're a Phoenix sports fan, check out Burn City Sports. We cover the Suns, Cardinals, Coyotes, Diamondbacks, Phoenix Mercury, everything Arizona State. Anything Phoenix sports, we have you covered. So go ahead and check that out. And until next time, go real or go home.